Hello and welcome to the Monarch Human Performance Podcast. I'm your host, John Sillis. On this show, we aim to interview leaders from a range of performance disciplines within the tactical performance space to help you improve performance at the individual and organizational level. Now, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show, guys. You'll notice we don't run any ads here, but we do ask for you to pay a simple and small fee. And that fee is this. If you find value in the show, I'm pretty confident in the arcs we have some incredible guests each week, then please share the show. You know, if you're chatting with friends and colleagues about education and development, please recommend us. As I said, you know, we don't run ads here and we continue to grow organically through you, the listener. So please spread the word and help us get this information out to a lot more people. Now, in this week's episode, guys, I sit down and chat to Dr. Phil Wagner. Phil is the founder and CEO of Sparta Science. Sparta Science is a leader in the application of movement diagnostic software. Using force-plate machine learning, the Spire system identifies how you move and provides individualized evidence-based plans to help you move better at work, at play, or in duty. To give you a bit of background on Phil, after receiving his medical degree from USC, Phil was, frustra- Phil was frustrated by the lack of evidence-based approaches to performance and injury prevention within sports, the military, and occupational health. It was this lack of evidence-based practice that inspired him to create Sparta Science. In this episode, me and Phil chat about his journey from strength and conditioning to medicine, the mission of Sparta Science, and how movement data is helping to inform injury risk and performance in the tactical environment. Good afternoon, Phil, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, John. No problem, mate. Thank you very much for uh, you know taking time out of your schedule. I know you're a busy guy over there with Sparta Science, um, so it's great to get you on. I know you're doing a lot of stuff within the tactical space and within uh, the sporting realm as well, so I thought it'd be really great to pick your brain and see how you guys are making improvements as well within human performance overall. Absolutely. Absolutely. So obviously I've alluded there a little bit, Phil, that, you know, you work for science, but for anyone who hasn't come across you and, you know, your background, can you just give us a little bit of a brief overview of, you know, where your career started out and where you're currently at? Yeah, my, my career started as a strength conditioning coach uh, for various sports teams, both in the U S as well as Australia. And, you know, became, you know, frustrated that, you know, it was difficult to maintain a lot of continuity with all the transiency that was happening in sports, right? A lot of it wins and losses centric. And then, you know, also surprised by the lack of data that existed that could validate or justify, you know, um, practitioners jobs if, if they did well, but, but the, the end goal actually didn't reflect that, right? And so really became interested from that angle. And I think layered on top of that as a a college athlete here in the States, in the US, you know, was injured quite a bit and was equally frustrated and confused by, you know, lack of really strong metrics of how how to move better, how to perform better, how to rehab more intelligently. Um, you know, did a lot of push into my hand testing and, you know, straighten your arm. It looks pretty good. Right. Type type stuff and said, man, this, this gotta be a better way. And so my story really was, was from my own experience as an athlete, but also as a coach, you know, wanting to have more validation to show the improvements that were being made with movement. And so that really drove me into medicine um, to see, and understand how physicians and practitioners are doing this, you know, 
with more chronic diseases, things like diabetes and et cetera, how those are measured, tracked, validated, and how prescriptions are generated, you know, within medicine, why can't we do the same when it comes to movement and physical activity? It's a really interesting career background for you, Phil, obviously going from being a strength coach into medicine. It's, it's quite unusual. Like I get a few funny looks going from being a strength coach into PT school, but for me, yep. it's very much that same continuum. Um, what, what, was, what sparked you to go down the, the medicine route then rather than going to say PT school or Cairo school or something like that? Yeah, I really, you know, wanted to understand, you know, beyond just musculoskeletal um, diseases and, and understand, you know, other more, um, you know, I guess epidemics, for lack of a better word, like diabetes, some of these chronic diseases that affect, you know, a more global population. And so how are those big problems like again, diabetes, how are those adjust, uh, you know, addressed in terms of data and prescriptive pieces? Because I believe that at the end of the day, exercise is the best medicine. So how can we <clears throat> set up, you know, an ecosystem where that's enabled to not only be gathered, but adjusted as such? Yeah. <clears throat> Initially at the start here about Sparta science, when, when did the, the concept of Sparta science, you know, occur to you? Were you in medical school? Was it something you had prior to going into medical school? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think prior to going to medical school, that was the concept of how can we develop a movement database and a platform that could gather information from different practitioners and organizations and start, for lack of a better word, crowdsourcing those best practices, you know, and making them available to any global organization or practitioner of like, here's some exercises or movements that are being used and here's how they affect how you move um, and really settled on the name Sparta science coming from Spartan. And at the end of the day, you know, <clears throat> the process has to be simple and intuitive and it has to be Spartan And that, you know, how can we very quickly and easily provide concrete insights based on data and the trends. That's really interesting to hear. And, Obviously, you've, you've had the company up and running for quite a while now, Phil. Like, so how, how has the company grown with regards to just that information tracking? You know, when you first started out, what were you tracking and how has those metrics changed over time for you? Yeah, yeah, good question. Yeah, so we started in, in sports and then grew more into tactical and government, you know, and now also including healthcare as well. And so I think as we've evolved, you know, what we've become more aware of is the importance of health data within all this. Because I think a lot of times my background and a lot of folks background in the strength conditioning side is it's all about performance, which it is, but you can't perform if you're injured, right? And so really making sure that those two areas of both health or injury is linked with performance at every step of the way. Um, because at the end of the day, the, the best athletes are the ones that can, and best tactical folks, the best humans, in fact, are the ones that can perform whatever is required for them at any day. You know, and, and a lot of times that isn't a, a greater performance. It may just be a more consistent performance, you know, at that high level. 
definitely Phil. I think it's interesting as well given your background as a strength coach and then going into more of the medical field it's something I've noticed on my background as well being very much objectively measured with what we're testing as you're saying there with regards to your sporting background you know you go get tested by those medical field who may push on your arm and I'm like oh yeah that's strong well, that's a yeah. very subjective measure there like well what is strong and how do you track that over over time as well so I think that's very interesting to have that background and go into it Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it gives you a, a sense of, uh, you know, I think medicine, at least for me, gave me that concept of test retest, right. It's common in, in physical therapy, you know, but, but certainly common in medicine as well. And then the whole concept of dose response, you give a medication, a dose, and then what's the expected response versus what's the actual response, right? Because in medicine, so many medications have to be changed or titrated because individuals respond differently right and it's really the same thing with exercise whether you're a tactical individual or an athlete or just you know a patient right everybody's going to respond in a different way so how do you have an underlying platform to measure prescriptions against you know outcomes and and match that dose response curve that we that we see so often in medicine and other areas and overall mission for you guys, Phil, from Sparta's perspective, you know, what's what's the long-term plan for you guys with regards to Sparta and how, how are you going to impact that industry as a whole, do you see? Yeah, I think ultimately our goal is to, you know, be, you know, provide a movement vital sign, right? You go into a, a doctor's office or a clinic and, and you get vitals checked, right? Temperature, heart rate, blood pressure, but you know, there isn't a, a standardized movement assessment, but movement is so unique in that it really is one of the few things that is a direct cause or result of every single condition we experience. And so, you know, there should be a quick and easy process that allows you to track and gather a vital sign that allows, you know, the individual, the practitioners to really evolve into what they should be doing, whether that's staying with their current, you know, path or making adjustments to do something new. But again, I think it's all kind of related back to this concept of being a vital sign, you know, and having it available in a standardized format, regardless of where that individual is, is doing the assessment or who is doing it. No, I agree with that. And I like that, that concept of the, the movement vital sign as well. And I think you know, from our backgrounds in sport, um, you know, the athletes we've worked with, it's, it's very much that yearly assessment or you know, continuous That's right. But every year, you know, full medical, full movement assessment, and you're taking care of, and obviously you're saying Sparta is starting to drift out now into the medical field as well. And obviously we're very different, um, the UK system to the American system, but like from what I've chatted to just, you know, friends from the general medical side of things here, people well, generally, the general public will tend to take their care of their car and get the yearly car checkup That's right. on their body. So it's just like, when was the last time you went and got your checkup just yearly to make sure everything's ticking over? Is that movement assessment correct in there as well? And I think that's a huge, huge piece. Yeah, and it's got to be quick, right? Because if it's not quick, we continue on this path of assessing once a year, right? And if we're doing that, then we're also making the assumption that your body changes every 365 days, right? Which you know, is, is certainly not the case, right? And so how do we have something that, 
you know, brings down that assessment period from once a year to once a week, once a month, you know, something that's much more regular to allow those adjustments to occur rather than, rather than having a surprise once every year, you know, when you go through that more formal medical checkup. And obviously you, you said before for Sparta, you know, you guys are taking multiple data points and using that to inform, you know, decisions and that. So how, what, you know, what uh, data are you guys using and taking to inform that, you know, performance and that injury risk? Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's a couple things we, we look at, you know, in particular one is, you know, looking at balance because balance is such a critical foundation for, not only basic activities like walking, you know, especially if you're a senior and you're at risk for falling, but also we think about tactical and sport communities where concussions and TBIs and head trauma, you know, affect your proprioception, right? And so how can we assess it, you know, balance protocols in that regard, you know, and, and the way we've looked at it is from a balance standpoint, we look at a, a variable called sway velocity, how much you move when you're balancing, but we're also looking at a, a new metric, which we're calling MRV, movement response variability, which is the same calculation as HRV, you know, it's entropy. So it's how regular your, your balance is, because the more regular your balance is, the more, basically the less adaptable your nervous system is just like heart rate variability heart rate variability you want a variable distance between beats because that's a sign that you have a heightened responsiveness to stimuli mrv on balance is the same way if you have a less regular you know response to balancing you're more responsive to any stimuli in the environment you know so the calculation the concept's the same it's just rather than the cardiovascular it's looking at it from a biomechanical standpoint. And so we look at sway and, and that MRV component as key metrics to how you're able to balance. And then we also look at jump um, because with the tactical population, just like athletes, there is a dynam dynamic requirement of how well can you move explosively or in different directions and where are those strengths. And so we look at your eccentric rate of force production and your concentric rate of force production, basically how quickly you can initially generate or sustain force over the course of a jump. You know, so those are the, the two main assessments that we look at and some of the, at least at a high level, some of the major variables we look at. Interesting metrics you mentioned there, Phil. So obviously sway velocity, it's the first time I've heard of it and I can definitely see an application of it within, you know, the medical side and more so with elderly population groups. Is it something you used with, you know, younger, more athletic groups or are you not getting the data you really want from that for sway velocity? No, I think that's actually been the surprising part is with the increased level of specialization and focus on strength and power, mm -hmm. we've, last, we've lost in tactical and, and sporting populations, we've lost some foundational needs like balance. And so we have individuals that are exceptionally proficient at jumping, but many of our athletes and tactical population have less balance than an 80 year old. Wow, okay. And so, 
you know, the analogy I, I always talk about, it's like a Ferrari going around the parking lot. It just sounds inefficient and out of place. Right. And so, you know, I think a lot of the opportunity for tactical and athletes is to be aware of, you really need both. You need to have a static control, but you also need that dynamic control or, or expression of strength and power. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, there's a massive opportunity to improve that balance piece. And I think we see it in athletes, so much of the exposure is to very high intensity stimuli and activities, but, you know, there isn't a, a large portion of low activity or walking that goes on. Yeah. And so that part of the motor system is never challenged. And then obviously with jump, um, you know, you're saying there about eccentric and concentric force production. Is mm. there a specific ratio you're looking for between those two factors there? Yeah, I think, you know, every, you know, at least here in the, in the U.S. military, the term is MOS. Very Basically, it's, you know, occupational specialty, right? You know, every job or every desired action has a ideal signature, what we call a movement signature. And so, you know, you, you know, probably the most specialized, you know, individuals, they need to, the key is to not have them completely balanced, but to have them balanced in a healthy way, yeah. right? Because you want imbalance. That's what makes people different and great, but you don't want so much imbalance that those differences actually expose the individual to injury. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we see, you know, tactical units that have more of an endurance capability, that sustained force production, your concentric impulse is really important because that efficiency and sustainment is really key. Whereas individuals that, you know, for lack of a better word, are called door kickers here in the U.S., the, the ones that are more strength and breaching focused they need more of that eccentric rate of force or that initial generation of force production in order to be able to do their job at a higher level. Mm-hmm. So whatever that occupation requirement is, that's what determines the ideal signature and therefore the ideal ratios. I just want to pull it back just briefly there. So as well, so yeah. you're saying with Sparky, you guys started off initially within the sporting realm and then picked up into the tactical as well. You know, how did that come about to get your foot in the door and start implementing within tactical? Because I know, especially over in the U.S. now, it's very much, it's a, it's a grown industry and guys are really uh, putting a lot more development around um, tactical organizations within all branches just to look after the guys and adopt more of that sporting model from the yep. performance team side of things. So <clears throat> did you guys reach out? Did they reach out to you? And how did you get that buy-in factor from the guys within the military? Yeah, yeah, they reached out to us. Uh, we started with um, some of the special force, forces groups had reached out to us a few years ago. And that's when we first started. You know, I think the, the growing interest and commitment there is really because, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of times, you know, financial costs are what drive, you know, these issues. And there's so many individuals in the tactical space, so many more so than sports. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more tactical operators than there are, you know, professional athletes. And so many of those individuals are unable to fulfill their duties or serve because of injuries. Yeah. And those injuries, you know, really cost the organization time and money. And so 
organizations have become much more aware in the tactical community that they have to be more efficient, not only to save costs, but also these individuals are highly trained, just like athletes. So the time it takes to train them, you know, is so high, particularly then if they break, right? So, you know, that's such a key piece is how can you keep those individuals within the organization for as long of time as possible because their institutional knowledge and skill set took so long to develop. That's, that's really interesting. That brings me on to my next point. So I was just going to say, like, how is the information you guys are using from Sparta feeding into that to help with that, um, you know, soldiers' development over that career path as well? Yeah, the, the big buzzword, right, is readiness a lot of times, yeah. you know, and, you know, I think that's, it's a, it's, it's a good term in the tactical community because one of the things that differentiates them versus athletes is there's not a season, yeah. right? And you've got to really be ready at any time. And so how can you make sure that individuals, there's a pulse on the level of readiness, right? The percentage of folks that are, you know, at their optimal capacity or abilities, you know, on a weekly or daily basis. And that's where reporting within software became, becomes really helpful mm -hmm. because then commanders and leaders can have a much broader view of the organization, not only down to the individual, but also down to the unit because that allows them to invest more time and resources into individuals or units that may be lagging. Okay. Because you know if you're a commander and you're overseeing even at a minimal size, 10 different units, they're all going to respond differently based on their requirements, their battle rhythm, you know, the practitioners that are there on site, you know, a bunch of factors. So how can there's be an insight, not just at the individual level, but at the unit level, mm -hmm. you know, in the same way a hospital administrator is overseeing, you know, let's say 10 hospitals and being able to identify which parts different hospitals are doing well and which parts certain hospitals aren't doing well. And you can start sharing knowledge between those groups, right? So then the units can improve as a whole together. And I know you were saying previously about just some of the data you guys collect um, for, for your assessment. So obviously you do your sway balance, you do your jump uh, assessment as well. Do you do any upper body assessment from that, either you know around the shoulder guard or anything? Yeah, so we, we actually, we do a plank test as well. Okay. And we just published a paper this week um, uh, University of Pennsylvania published a paper around that assessment over three years predicting core injuries from that plank test. Okay. And the interesting piece is that, you know, I think a lot of times we talk about core and its importance, mm -hmm. but we actually never measure it, right? So it's this nefarious thing that, you know, everybody thinks is important, but no one's actually measuring it, right? So the plank test is is extremely helpful to identify, okay, how well are you bracing your core? And a lot of times we look at similar variables like sway mm -hmm. because the goal of that core stability, right, is to not move, yeah. right? So the less sway you have, the better. I think another interesting piece we found is we published a paper predicting elbow injuries from a jump. Okay. And how are you, uh, how are you figuring that then? Yeah, so that we didn't go in with that intent, but the machine learning models that were run identified it, and particularly individuals that have a low eccentric rate of force, mm -hmm. those that struggle to initiate force when they start a movement, 
those are the ones that were at risk for an upper body injury. And then we started to think, you know what, that makes sense because if you don't load with your legs, then you have to generate that energy from your upper body. Yeah. Right. And so I think the plank test is able to measure that core and upper body risk, but more importantly, the lower body dysfunction is even more important for upper body mm-hmm. because if you don't start a movement well, and you live in a world that has gravity, right? Then that, that energy can't be transferred up the chain efficiently yeah. and puts that girdle and everything else at risk. Yeah. And with regards to the, the plank test, then I take it, have you got them? Is it just being performed on forearms on, on the four stack itself? Yeah. So we, we either have them on uh, two hands or one hand. Okay. So we'll have them on their on their hands, really, to try to increase the difficulty of that assessment. And then, like you say, there you're just trying to assess that that sway from left to right, is it? Then just how much they can actually brace through. Right, and then and then also looking at that that MRV of how well, if they do sway, how well their correction is. You know, because it's those more regular or gross corrections that are the red flag because you just want to finally correct, you know, if there is a, if there is an imbalance, it should be a fine correction back to that center point. So obviously within the tackle environment, then um, is it a case of you've installed what or already installed force platforms within those units and then therefore they've just got access to your, your software as well and they can just upload directly into it or do you guys go physically in and run your diagnostics with the guys? Yeah, no, we, we just hand it off and ship them out the force plates. You know, you know, we, we call the force plates kind of dumb devices, right? Because okay. they're just collecting information, mm-hmm. right? But then they have access to a, a, our software either in the cloud or a lot of military units, including the UK, use it offline okay. in a more offline closed environment for security reasons. Yeah. So it'll be either an offline database or in a cloud database. And so either one of those options allows that information to be uploaded and then machine learning models are run on the device and or in the cloud mm-hmm. to provide those risk profiles. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And an overall impact then, like for the guys who've adopted and started using the Sparta Science Systems and, you know, what, what's the injury rates look like? You know, how much have you seen a reduction in injuries or just time lost from, you know, work as well? Yeah, I mean, the, a lot of times it's, it's you know, we'll see, you know, around a 20% reduction, okay. you know, in, in injuries. Um, it depends on, you know, the, you know, the, it depends on the population and also depends on, um, you know, the, the willingness to adopt new protocols too. Because, you know, there's, there's two parts to this, right? One is the awareness of performance and risk. Mm-hmm through the vital sign measurements. But then the other part is actually changing and adjusting what you do, right? To have that risk reduced, right? You know, it's no different than a weight scale, right? You don't, you don't lose weight by standing on a weight scale. <clears throat> you know, you, it just creates the awareness and then you have to change diet, exercise activity, right? So there's kind of two pieces to it, you know, and the ones, the units, organizations that we see at the largest you know, improvements are the ones that really are able to nail both sides, mm-hmm. you know, a, a seamless workflow of assessment and awareness, 
but then also a, you know, a protocol of exercise prescriptions that's, you know, cultivated over time to the individual. I understand. I agree. I like the analogy as well. Just tying in with the, the scale, obviously it creates that awareness, but it's not in itself going to create the change that necessary. That's right. That's right. And I think that's a, that's a big uh, topic and issue that we're kind of in right now in this era of big data and wearables is there's so much greater awareness in terms of where you're at, mm-hmm. but there needs to be an increased focus, you know, on the scientific ability of what to do about it right and obviously what what's next for spar science where do you see yourselves going next you've started branching to the medical side of things phil yeah that's a big piece and i think the nice part about the medical side is you know it underlies you know the other areas we work you know with tactical and sports because you know obviously both of those groups have a medical component either in-house or outsourced Mm -hmm. Right. And so being able to connect the individual and their assessments and their data, having that be connected across different environments, no matter where they're at. Yeah. Right. So they could be tested in their unit. And then if an injury happens and they go to a doctor's office, you know, having that same unit of measurement there as well creates that standardized, you know, movement vital sign, no matter where that individual is at. Career as a strength coach moved into medicine and now very much in the technical uh, technology side of things with spar science as well obviously do a lot of stuff for your own development um, and i always ask everyone who comes on the show because i'm always curious to know what they engage in for their own education and um, so on that can you just give us a book an app or a website recommendation you personally found useful for your own education and development yeah i, I you know as <clears throat> i continue to have more experience i just become more and more aware that you know if you're in the health or, or human performance arena, mm-hmm. it's all about habits and how can you, you know, instill and maintain good habits and trim back the habits that aren't serving you, right? Um, and so, yeah, along those lines, yeah, one of my favorite books is actually Atomic Habits by James Clear, great book, you know, around basically breaking up habits, you know, in, in a similar way to kind of what we discussed earlier, don't wait for your New Year's goals, resolutions once a year, right? Make, you know, much smaller habit goals throughout the year mm-hmm. that can lead to the larger goals, you know? So I think that's been one of my favorite books, you know, to help kind of structure not only our software and product, but, but also how we work with folks, you know, really trying to encourage those small incremental changes because those are what actually build the larger changes over time. Nice. Yeah, great book. Very good book uh, recommendation there, mate. I'll make sure I stick that in our show notes as well, bud. Um, yeah. Obviously, Phil, it's been great chatting to you. What you guys are doing at Spar Science is incredible. It's great to see it continue to grow. For anyone who's listening in who either wants to find out a bit more or contact you guys with potentially collaborating and working with you, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, so um, we've got a, a, a Twitter at Sparta Science, mm-hmm. or my Twitter is at Dr. Phil Wagner. Okay. So, you know, those are two sources, um, as well as our website, you know, Sparta Science, and we're constantly putting up new, new research uh, there, as well as um, blog posts around educational topics. Okay, 
Awesome. I'll make sure I will sink them into our show notes as well, Phil, just so anyone who's listening can reach in and get in touch with you as well, dude. Honestly, Phil, once again, you know, thank you very much. I know you're a busy guy, um, so I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to sit down and chat with me. It's very much appreciated, mate. Yeah, it was great to meet you. Thank you, John. No worries. Hi, guys. Really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Monarch Team Performance Podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for your continued support to the show. We're slowly growing each week and getting more and more downloads, which is truly incredible for such a niche-specific podcast. The continued support us can ask you to do me a simple favor. First of all, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're using so you can receive each new episode as soon as it's released. Secondly, if you found something educational, if it made you see a different perspective, or if you took something away from this podcast that made you better, please leave us a review as it means a lot to me, and please share the show. This will help us to grow the show and really get this information out to a lot more people.